Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I have prepared a most deliciously ghoulish entertainment for this occasion. Horrifying Tales of Wonder. Ghost Stories. Weird Tales of the Macabre. The producers of this radio program may be reached at patreon.com forward slash Tales of Wonder Pod. And, as per usual, wish to make clear that they assume no legal responsibility whatsoever for any case of death by fright. Fright. fright! But first, allow me to introduce myself. I am your host, Beltravius Mountcastle. And on this chilly evening, I'd like to tell you a tale of a friend of mine. Now, as it happens, this particular friend is no longer among the living. But that doesn't stop him from being quite the talented private investigator, as you're about to see for yourself in The Case of the Saintsville Cat by L. N. Hunter. Nice kitty. Good cat. I struggled to keep the panic out of my voice. You don't want to eat old Sully now, do you? Of all the ways for my existence to end, being ripped apart by a 400-pound panther came pretty close to the bottom of my list. I'd nearly drowned in the sewers one time, and only just avoided being burned alive another, both of which were undoubtedly worse ways to go, but only by a hair. I would have crossed my fingers for luck, but I didn't want to move and startle the nice kitty. The big cat growled at me showing eight inches of vicious canines. Do felines have canines? I didn't think I'd be contemplating animal dentistry when the knock came on my door that morning. She'd barged right in without waiting for an invitation, catching her nylons on the door latch and swearing in Afrikaans long and loud enough to make a Cape Town sailor blush. She was accompanied by a fog of perfume so thick it put up a fight with the odors of my fifth lucky strike of the day and the half-eaten egg and onion sandwich that formed my breakfast. I don't eat much, and extreme flavors are all my dead taste buds can perceive. She must have noticed the smell, but she didn't react. A real classy lady, this dame. Behind a cloud of cigarette smoke, my eyes scanned her up and down tracking from side to side to follow the curves, which took a while because, well, their curves had curves, if you get my meaning. I casually took a swig of bourbon and then went for another look, but dropped the bottle cap. I scrambled to retrieve it with what I hoped was an air of casual sophistication. Picking it up brought me overly close to the stubble peeking through her torn pantyhose. I shuddered and said, Take a load off those gams, dollface. She flumped onto the sofa across the office, which let out a long, plaintive whoop of protest. Solomon Granger? Last time I checked, that's the name on the door. What's a dame like you need a P.I. for? I lit another cigarette and hauled my desk chair closer to the sofa. That didn't take very long, seeing how my office makes a walk-in closet for a naturalist seem spacious. As she sank deeper into the stricken Davenport... Her fur-lined collar gaped open, displaying more diamonds than anyone ought to be wearing in Saintsville. If the city was a human body, Saintsville would be its appendix. No one knows what it's for, but it can generate a lot of pain. 
and this was a broad who shouldn't be in anyone's appendix. With stones like that, she ought to be in the gallbladder at least. Mr. Granger, I need you to find someone. My niece has gone missing. The police do missing persons. I didn't have anything against finding people. That made up more than half of my business. What I wanted to know was if this would be an easy money job, or one that would wear out more shoe leather than even someone as well healed as this damsel in distress would be willing to pay for. I didn't want to admit it, but I already knew I'd take the case. It would make a change from the run of missing pets I'd had recently. All of them unsuccessful. The most I'd managed to find of precious tittles or beloved Fido were a few color tags. There were rumors of a dog fighting ring, but I suspected that a more likely destiny for the pets was to become the major ingredient in Saintsville street food. The woman blushed, so much skin going bright red that I could feel the heat. No, I don't want to involve the police. The shame of it. Emily's a good girl. So it's going to be one of these, I thought. I failed to conceal my smile at the cash register already ringing in my head. The worst cases are where the cops have been on the job for weeks and found nothing, which typically means there's nothing to find. Unlike most P.I.s, I have nothing against cops. I used to be one, until I decided I wanted to pick my own jobs instead of being assigned them by a captain who always resented my return from the shootout in the cemetery. Well, my career prospects weren't helped by damaging the precinct's one car beyond repair twice. And assaulting the aforementioned captain when I discovered he'd been bribed to send me to the cemetery in the first place. Tell me about your niece. Trying not to cough as her perfume cut right through the cigarette fumes and scoured the back of my throat. I thought about asking her if they did cologne as well. It helped me cut down on the smokes. Mrs. Darlington Stevens, a name as substantial as the woman who wore it, told me Emily Gordon had disappeared two days earlier. She'd occasionally been out all night before, seeing unsuitable men, no doubt. I got the impression that all men were unsuitable in Mrs. D.S.'s book. However, the girl had an important meeting this morning and she wouldn't have missed it unless something was wrong. Real wrong. The dame started to cry, and I shoved a mostly clean handkerchief her way, mainly because I didn't want to see that makeup run. She waved the kerchief away and rummaged in her handbag, pulling out a photo and thrusting it at me. My eyebrows mounted an expedition up my scalp as I looked at it. There seemed to be little linking the genetics of little Miss Gordon and Mrs. D.S. The girl was a mid-twenties looker. With long black hair and blue eyes, a man would let himself drown in before it crossed his mind to call for help. Her bright red lips had a knowing curve that would make a eunuch ask for advice on reversing the procedure. If I were several decades younger and less dead, I'd no doubt be one of those unsuitable men yapping at Emily's heels. I scribbled down some more details, absent-mindedly munching the rest of the curling egg and onion sandwich in between drags on my cigarette. Habits, known associates, favorite cafes, bars, all the usual drill. Totally useless, but it helped reassure clients like Mrs. D.S. that I'd earned the dough she was about to fork over. Unlike my usual clientele, she didn't blink when I told her my rate was forty bucks a day plus expenses. I should have gone for fifty. One of those expenses might be an appointment with the chiropractor, because I felt something in my back go click when I helped Mrs. D.S. out of the Davenport. I hoped my back was going to be easier to repair than my sofa, 
After Mrs. D.S. left, I washed down my sandwich with some more whiskey, then topped up my hip flask, put on my somewhat battered fedora and my trench coat, turned the collar up, and hit the pavement, lighting another lucky on the way out. Every P.I. in Saintsville knew the obvious places to look for missing persons, especially when the person in question was a looker like Miss Gordon. Take the half-dozen or so bordellos for a start, and certain high-class hotels that didn't ask too many questions, not to mention the vampire mansion just outside of town. But, in this case, I figured the girl probably just wanted to get away from Auntie. So, there's really only one place to go. The Evergreen Lodge Motel, a one-star joint at the edge of Saintsville. The sort of dive where the bedsheets were changed once a week, and for clean ones most of the time. Your comfort and privacy are our pleasure, the sign on the hotel desk said. But the pimple-faced receptionist turned out to be more interested in a couple of greenbacks than in Miss Gordon's privacy. Within two shakes of a love-smitten lamb's tail, my knuckles were treating her door to a rat-tat-tat. Your early eyes... She said as she opened the door. She did a double take. You're not Isaac. I tipped my hat. No, ma'am. Solomon Granger, private investigator at your service. Your aunt is concerned about your whereabouts. My aunt? Oh. Emily put a hand to her cupid's bow lips, then grabbed my sleeve and pulled. Come in, quickly. Did anyone see you? She set me on the corner of the bed while she filled two glasses from the bar, which looked pretty thoroughly raided already. She held one of the drinks out with a shaking hand while gulping down the other. That woman's no aunt of mine. Now wait just a minute, I said. How do I know you think you know who I know sent me? She stared at me for a moment while we both tried to work out what had escaped my lips, and I did my best not to think about the things I'd like to do with hers. Mrs. Darlington Stevens, right? She said. You do know that witch works for Tiny Tony? A chill ran down my spine, then turned around and ran back up, picking a spot behind my eye sockets to sit and throb. Anthony Tiny was Saintsville's gangster boss, a man with so many of Saintsville's high and mighty in his pockets he had no room left for his altoids. Gangster parlance being what it is, his moniker de jour became Tiny Tony. Anywhere else, that would be ironic, but Saintsville had neither the intelligence nor the patience for irony. Tony was baby-faced, and all of three feet nada in his expensive Cuban heels. Two pints of evil and a half-pint jar. He had the temperament of a rabid terrier and the breath to match. We'd crossed paths in the past, and he'd promised to tap-dance on my liver as he strangled me with my intestines if I ever interfered in his business again. I swallowed the drink and asked, What have you got yourself into, lady? And how do I get myself out of it with my intestines still on the inside? Tony's running a gladiator ring, and he wants me to fight. My eyes widened and I gave her a once-over, and then a twice-over, and a thrice-over because my eyeballs were enjoying the way her blouse stretched and wrinkled in time with her breathing. They say never mix business with pleasure, but then I've never been so good at following advice. You don't look like much of a fighter, I told her. She gave a wry smile which did all kinds of exciting things to my blood pressure and purred. I have my talents, but... The door slammed against the wall and two thick-set goons sauntered in, while Mrs. D.S. took up a position blocking the doorway. 
She smiled, displaying two rows of tombstone teeth. Thank you, Mr. Granger, she said. You may leave. While I was asking myself how I would do that, since there wasn't enough room for a breeze to slip past her, and I didn't figure on using the window as an exit, something hard cracked against the back of my skull. I crumpled to the floor like a marionette with cut strings. My second-to-last thought before darkness overtook the sparkles in my mind was that the carpet needed to be cleaned. My last thought was that the hard thing that had hit me was a two-and-a-half-pound lead-filled leather Wilkinson, a tidy, compact blackjack. I'd been hit on the head so many times that I got to recognize the weapons. I came to with a rancid feline stench tweaking my nose hairs. When I opened my eyes, I found myself in a domed cage with one-inch steel bars. And I wasn't alone. A panther was gently snoring a few feet away, and it looked about twice the size a panther ought to be. Not that I spent much time around big cats, but still. I scrambled back against the bars, and half of my brain started screaming while the other half did its best to stop any sound escaping. The monster snored on. I reached into my pocket, pawing for my gun, before remembering that I'd lost it in a poker game in Reggie's Jive Dive a couple of nights before. My cheating hadn't been as skillful as the other guys. In any case, the size of this monster, all the bullets would end up doing was annoy it. I jumped when a match flared on the other side of the bars, illuminating a small face and a large cigar. Solly, 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 said Tiny Tony. Mr. Tiny, I squeaked, then cleared my throat and tried again. Mr. Tiny, Anthony, what a lovely surprise meeting you here. When there's an elephant in the room you can do nothing about or a 400-pound panther in this case, it's often wisest to ignore it in the hopes that it'll go away before ripping your head from your shoulders. I was doing my best not to imagine tearing, slurping, crunching sounds. Tony laughed and sucked on his cigar as he snapped his fingers. Fluorescent tubes above the cage flickered on, bathing us in greenish light, revealing a ring of leering faces surrounding the cage. They seemed to be waiting for something and my heart struck up a drum roll when I realized what their imminent entertainment was to be. I glanced at the big cat, spotting a blouse and ripped slacks behind it, the clothes Emily had been wearing. The beast had eaten her and was sleeping it off. I could mourn the girl and raise a glass to her later. At the moment, my main concern was finding a way to escape the same fate. Tony, I pleaded. You don't have to do this. No, I don't. He rolled a cigar from one side of his mouth to the other. But I want to. If luck was a lady, today must have been her time of the month. Tony snapped his fingers again, and one of his associates beat an iron bar against the bars of the cage. The panther leapt to its feet, shaking its head angrily. It spotted Tony and growled, then turned in my direction. I waved my hands in a placatory gesture as I slowly backed away, and that's how I ended up in this mess. The monster lurched towards me. I screeched like a panicked possum and leapt for the bars above my head. I managed to catch hold, then pulled myself up and scrambled to the top of the dome. I clung on tighter than wet on water, while the panther paced back and forth below, making the occasional half-hearted swipe in my direction. The spectators started to grumble, and Tony called, Get down from there, you cowardly bum! Take it like a man! 
If being a man means getting shredded like an oversized cat's chew toy, put me in a dress and call me Sally. The panther looked up and yawned, more bored than annoyed that its toy didn't want to play. I loosened my grip enough to reach my hip flask, and, with a regretful sigh, poured what was left into the panther's gaping mouth. It snapped its mouth shut and swallowed instinctively. I like my bourbon with two ounces of pepper, ground chilies, and vinegar, and I was betting my survival that would be more than this animal could handle. The beast sneezed, coughed, and sneezed again. It collapsed and started to paw at its snout as tears seeped from its bloodshot eyes. I cautiously eased myself to the ground and said, Tony, you ain't going to get the fight you want. Let me out, and we can talk about this like fully grown adults. Damn it! Did I really say fully grown? My mouth just doesn't know when to stop. Adults, Tony! I mean like mature, sensible adults! But the damage was done. Tony's eyes bulged and he pulled out his gun. It was almost as big as he was. He squeezed the trigger twice, ruining a perfectly good trench coat and making a mess of the torso behind it. And I crumpled beside the panther. No, not a panther, I thought. Too soft. I reached up to touch the animal, but felt smooth skin instead of fur and muscle. Then everything went black. I came to in a dumpster. One advantage of being Saintsville's only undead P.I. is that it takes more than bullets to the chest to stop me. A second advantage, particularly when waking up in the sludge at the bottom of a dumpster, is a poor sense of smell. That's the main reason for the pungent food, the chain-smoking, and the additions to my booze. I could have done with a swig right then, but the flask was empty. I hauled myself out then emptied some unrecognizable semi-liquid from my fedora and attempted to reshape the hat before popping it on top of my head. My temper was wound up and vicious as a bear trap, and it was time to spring it on Tiny Tony. I had no gun at the moment, but I did have the advantage that Tony thought I was dead, which I had been for a long time, if you want to get technical. Point is, I was still moving forward. If Saintsville was an angry pimple, Tony's palace was the glistening head, and I was about to pop it. The gin joint's doorman flinched from my stench courtesy of the dip in the dumpster, giving me the opportunity to kick him where it hurts and follow it up with an elbow to the back of the skull. I grabbed the pistol from his belt and stormed in. Tony! I'm coming for you! I bellowed. But no one paid any attention, accustomed as they were to fights in this place every night of the week here. Tony's office was on the floor above, and that's where I figured he'd be. At the bottom of the stairs, I shot one of his bodyguards in the leg, but let the other run for it. I wanted to save the remaining lead for Tony. I kicked the door open, then stopped. Even the noise from the speakeasy faded away. I stared at Tony, Mrs. D.S., and Emily. She was alive, unscathed. Not so much as a scratch on the considerable amount of skin not covered by the minuscule black dress that had been painted onto her. Tony stared back at me. Mrs. Darlington Stevens smiled her big-tooth smile. She held up a small, wooden, cat-shaped object, and brushing her sausage-like fingers over its surface, she said, I was so disappointed earlier, but you're back to make up for it. <laughs> How satisfying. Emily, my dear, you know what to do. 
Emily raised her head and looked at me with sad, bloodshot eyes. I'm sorry, she said. I can't help it. She uses the totem to make me do things. The young woman dropped to all fours, offering me a view of her decolletage I would have lingered over in less perilous times. Before I could so much as open my mouth to speak, her skin started to bulge and sprout dark hairs. The insubstantial dress ripped, and all of a sudden, I was face to face with the panther from before. I'd like to think my astute subconscious was responsible for what happened next, but it's closer to the truth that I stumbled, pulling the trigger, sending a round of hot lead into the totem, shattering it. The panther, Emily, paused, one foot raised, and I'm sure I saw a smile on that huge, spectacularly toothed face. She turned. She turned and leapt, ripping Mrs. Diaz's face off. She grabbed the woman's shoulder and shook her like a rag doll before discarding the body in a bloody heap. The cat jumped on Tony, pinning him to the ground with two enormous paws, then turned to look at me. Her eyes were like twin locomotives at the end of the tunnel. My arms were still trembling, so I had to use both hands to hold the gun steady, pointing at Tony's forehead. Emily backed off and changed back into human form with a lot of unpleasant clicking and squishing. Being a sophisticated gentleman of a P.I., I tried not to peek as I shuffled out of my coat and handed it to her. Tried, but failed. If my salivary glands hadn't dried up years ago, drool would have been pouring from my mouth. I croaked. Are you all right? She nodded, holding her breath. I guess the rank smell of my coat had more effect on her sensitive semi-feline nose than it could ever have on mine. I turned my attention back to Tony. Now, what do I do with you, Mr. Tiny? Tony held up both hands, palms towards me. Look, Sully, it's just business. I put on shows for the local plugs, and when Miss Gordon turned up with her particular talent, well, what could I do? My fingers tightened on the trigger and I growled. You could have not let that witch control her. Emily put a hand on my arm, which sent tingles up long dead nerves. There's been enough killing. Listen to the skirt, Sully. What's the point of killing an old mug like me? Lots of thoughts crossed my mind, but then I sighed and let the gun droop. You know something? You're right, I said. It wouldn't be long before someone else stepped into your Cubans, and at least I know how you tick. That's right, he nodded eagerly. Queer pals, like you said. Let's forget about the whole mess. I'll stay out of your business, and you turn a blind eye towards... His voice faltered as I glared at him with my dried-up eyeballs. He gulped. Okay, I'll stay out of your business, and you do what you need to. I turned to leave. Come on, Emily. We went back to her hotel room where she showered and dressed, while I smoked my way through the rest of my pack and drained her room's bar one bottle at a time. When she finished, I showered. It wouldn't do much for my body-preserving parfum de formaldehyde, but it would get rid of the detritus from my dumpster dip, while she stepped out to buy me a new trench coat for Dora and the rest. My old clothes went into a laundry bag which she disposed of along the way to do her shopping. When we were both feeling more human, if that's a term that could be applied to either of us, I asked how she became a panther or whatever she was. She shrugged. 
A couple of months ago, I was a reporter for the Johannesburg Daily Times, working on a story on the recent rise in ivory poaching. An American company seemed to be involved. And when I went to meet their local administrator, a woman called Mrs. Darlington Stevens, I was attacked and thrown into an animal pit. I expected to die, but despite the pain and the terror, I survived. And that witch brought me back as a plaything. And now, I'm free, thanks to you. An unusual story, but not the strangest I've ever heard. Once you've dug yourself out of a grave after six days in the ground, not much surprises you. So, what do you suppose you'll do now? She shrugged again. Another city? Another state? And hope no one finds me. Maybe back to Africa. She looked me in the eye and said, You could come with me, you know. The corners of my lip twitched up, then fell back down again. Someone needs to look out for all the sinners in Saintsville. Saintsville was where I lived and where I died, and where I came back to the unlife I'm living now. I couldn't leave. If Saintsville was a dame, then I, washer chump of a lover, unable to give her everything she needs, but unwilling to let her go. Adjusting my hat to shade my eyes, I shuffled to the door. I opened it and turned to the girl. So you around, doll? The door closed with a soft but final click. And remember, to support this program and gain access to bonus Chamber of Fright episodes, please do pay us a visit at patreon.com forward slash tales of wonder pod.